All right. This is Inside with Outsiders. I'm Jeremy Gary, and we have Michael Budden with us today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for being here. Now, you've been a long, fr- a long time friend of me, a friend of mine, sorry. Um, know each other before your nightlife, nightlife days. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, there's, there's a lot about you I don't know. Matter of fact, yeah. uh, you did a Friendsgiving at your place recently. And I found out you're half Puerto Rican. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> you're my Puerto Rican mom upstairs. Yeah, I'm like, wait, yeah. Mike. Well, what's your background again? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, Puerto Rican too. I'm like, oh, I didn't yeah, know half that. black, half Puerto Rican. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, but there's a lot about you that's interesting, and 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 I've said this before with people on the show. The people who have the most interesting, we have the most interesting interviews with, are people that have different chapters in their lives, right? So. Uh, I feel like you've had many in yeah. your life. Uh, yeah. We we met prior to you being in nightlife. Uh, you had a long stint in nightlife in, in different roles in nightlife. Right. Uh, your uh, physician's assistant now, so yeah. pretty much a doctor doing the doctor's work, not a doctor, but uh, and now uh, d- becoming a real estate mogul. <laughs> uh, not a mogul. I just um, own a house or two. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but let's let's go back to uh, the beginning. This is how I start all these interviews. Uh, where are you from originally? I know you actually grew up in a, a two different places yeah. uh, or more. And uh, let's start there. I was born in Spanish Harlem, and then when I was about seven, moved to South Carolina. Uh, lived there till about seventeen, and then came back. Why did you move there in the first place? Uh, my father's family is down there, mm. so uh, my grandfather and and. Uh, Aunts, uncles, cousins, and uh, you, your parents were together then, right? They were, yeah. And that's why they, I guess, they moved the whole family. And who is the family? Like, how many siblings do you have? Is a big family? Three sisters, so two older, one younger. Okay, yeah. So you all moved down to South Carolina. Yeah, we all moved down, and um, you know, living in poverty, and and uh, we moved down to. Funny enough, we we moved from uh, some terrible apartment in the Bronx to a dirt road apart, uh, house. <laughs> Houses on a dirt road, yeah. The stuff that builds character, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What was that like? I mean, from the Bronx to South Carolina, you must have got a lot of heat from kids. I did. Uh, I, I was always a city kid in my head. Yeah. But, you know, you're like seven. And so, you know, you're just adapting. But um, I don't think I got as much heat uh, for being from the city, I got more heat from being uh, mixed. So because right. they were like, well, what are you, what are you, "Why are you black? You're not." You, that's all you, they really had in the town was you're right. either white or you're either, you're either black. So I mean, that's yeah. most of the United States: either white, black, Mexican, yeah. and occasionally Asian. I but mean, there wasn't even any Mexicans in, it in was town. White or black? Yeah, yeah, it was like white, white or Did black. Did I tell you my my yeah. first experience? Uh, I went to college one year in Ohio. And my first day there, this girl walks up to me and she said, um, what did she ask me? Where are you from? What are you? Oh, no, she said, you look funny. You look, you look different. Mm-hmm. I was like, I look different. Okay, well, like, why? What? She's like, are you Mexican? I'm like, no. No, I'm not Mexican. And just because she said that, and I told her I was Persian, she had no idea what I was talking about. But uh, because she hadn't seen anyone who it was either clearly, clearly defined, right, right. you're white or black. Yeah, it's interesting. You you get uh, a skewed perception of um, of the United States if you just live in, say, you know, New York or or LA. You live on the coast. 
uh, you get this skewed perception that it, it's more diverse than it actually is, and then you you, you go to somewhere in a little <laughs> town in Ohio, and <laughs> I mean, it's a bubble, right? Yeah. And it was funny yeah. is this is where I grew up. This is where we grew up, and uh, and you also grew up here until you were seven. And grew up down there, so you got you had a perspective of what the United States really is like before I did. I had my first taste of that when I went to school in Ohio. I thought the United States was like New York. Yeah. It, you, I saw, um, I guess it's a, a brand, but where it says um, New York is an ethnicity, is it? Uh, where uh, New York is a nationality. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. New York is a nationality. I mean, right. if you think about it, well, let's be, let's be honest. Every, every country has this, right, where the major city is where you have more of an educated populace. You have right. more diversity. And uh, like in France, it's like, you know, they have their issues with politics, right? So the far right, the people voting for the far right are never those in the city. It's the people that are never exposed to people mm-hmm. of different cultures and therefore play into like the fears of people being different, therefore a threat to them, right? right. Uh, so you experienced this as a seven-year-old. That's crazy to me. Yeah. What was that like? Like yeah. you're taking shots from kids because you don't fit in any, in any, any group. Like right. I remember being a kid in the 80s and you know, I went to United Nations International School but I was, my dad's from Iran. And when they found out, the first comment I would ever get as of, from the time I was five years old was that I was a, I was a terrorist. <laughs> I'm five years old and they're telling me, oh, terrorist. I'm like, how? Kids are, kids are so mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, just, they're hearing it from, from the, their parents or the news or whatever. But what was that like for you? Uh, so, so the saving grace was that, or, or what, what I guess helped me get through uh, that time was that I guess my, my family was a very well-known family in town, and so they, once, once they would hear my last name, then they would say, oh, you're one of those button boys, okay. And then they would start talking about, about the family member that either they went to school with or that dated their sister mm-hmm. or whatever. And so, so it kind of, it would shift. Even when I went to high school there, um, my grandfather was the head custodian like right before I got there. So then, so then I get to high school, and he had just retired, and so the second every teacher or anyone who worked at a school, lunch ladies, they were like, "You, you be grandson," and they'd be giving me like free pizza. Oh. And just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what made your family so well known in that town? Uh, my great, my great grandfather uh, was a large landowner there. He was he <clears throat> came from sharecropping, mm-hmm. um, and was able to save, and then he bought acreage in the town. And um, at some point, he parceled off like the land and gave like this. He had twelve kids, so he gave oh, wow. you know this kid an acre, this kid an acre, this kid an acre, and so they kind of houses all kind of in the same area. And then uh, the local high school, um, at the time I was going there, it was the biggest high school in South Carolina. Um, it, it they the town bought that land from my grandfather so there's a button street behind the, oh really behind the school yeah so it's a well-known family plus the generation right before me um my father and all of his cousins they got a reputation there but not a good reputation <laughs> <laughs> so so you know you had the my grandfather's generation which was like well respected and you know and people knew him knew them for good reasons and then they have all these spoiled kids who yeah. are like running wild in this town and then and then you have familiar right and then you have me (laughs) and and my sisters and that generation come in and so you know so how old were you how how long did you stay there um 
essentially till I was 17. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'll share it. But so I stayed there until I was 17 because then I came to New York. My father was living here at the time then. And I came back to New York my last year of high school. And uh, I was I had a modeling contract. And so, yeah. It was that, didn't, was that, didn't last very long. Was that headshot <laughs> that what uh, EJ yeah. put? So was it for your birthday she did that? Yeah. For one of your birthdays, your <laughs> wife got you, uh, got everybody a matchbook with your modeling headshot on there. Yeah, well, like and, a uh, different person. And yeah. I called, this is before I knew you were half Puerto Rican, I called you Miguel Budden on that. <laughs> and then like, yeah. then I find out you're Puerto Rican, so it's fitting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Chris is Puerto Rican, so he's half Puerto Rican as well. Yeah. yeah. Puerto Rican Irish. Um, so, so tell us more about this modeling. Uh, did you come here for the modeling gig? Uh, well, I, I, I was always uh, still, even going to South Carolina at seven years old, I still was a city kid. I still felt like a city kid. And so I, so I always wanted to go back. And then this was just like the opportunity to go back. I, I went um, for a few weeks in, in a, <clears throat> the summer after my junior year. And while up here, went to some agencies and then got an agency and and went back and just because I was living with my grandfather at the time. Yeah. And so I went back and was like, like, Grandpa, I'm moving back to the city. And he, of course, he tried to talk me out of it. And and so I moved back and uh, and and then I was here and it didn't take me very long to realize like I was not cut out for modeling. Well, what happened? It sounds like you got a good story for us. Let's hear the story. So I uh, don't I got, hold back, man. I got you on the show no to hear problem, the stories. No problem. no problem. Yeah, no, for sure. EJ, I, I, I have a come on. His wife is here. I want her to encourage him to uh, tell I have some a stories. Lot of stories. I just uh, one story can bleed it to the next. But anyway, so I got called for this uh, this magazine tutorial thing, and they wanted to do the test shoot like one day, and so. So I go to the job, and um, so my agent's there. My agent is gay. Uh, the photographer's there. The photographer's gay. Makeup artist is there. Makeup artist is gay. And um, and so I get there, and they're like, "Okay, so so the concept is um, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna paint you silver, <laughs> but you have to be naked." And so. I was like, that's not really what you we talked about, but uh, <laughs> all right. And and so, and there's this Polaroids floating around somewhere of me painted silver, but um, which, which you would never see. But I, yeah, I promise yeah. you, <laughs> I don't want to see them. <laughs> and uh, it was four hours. It was two hours of them literally painting me into in, uh, silver. And you know, I'm standing there. Uh, you know, and I'm you know cupping yeah. and and they're like you don't have to cup we're all men here <laughs> and i i did i didn't comment i just was like no i'm cool and so yeah they so they painted me and then uh we, we did the test shoot and and i didn't even go back for the actual job i was like actually i think i'm, I'm done like i, I that was your first yeah, and last I, I, modeling experience uh i did one other thing aside from that but that was kind of like i think i'll just go try to use my brain right to, not that <laughs> models don't use their brain or just i was gonna try to use my brain right uh, and so so you you decided to stay obviously you dropped out of modeling but what were you doing did you go to college here i did uh i went to so 
I get to high school here, and uh, I still didn't know what I wanted to do, and and uh, I was thought I was going to do some modeling, and then when I decided that wasn't going to happen, I applied to college, and I went to SUNY Purchase, which was actually an amazing decision, mm-hmm. and they accepted me. What did you study? Uh, biology mm. at, at, a, at an art conservatory school where they had like dancers and actors, and but I met some amazing people there. I mean, some... And what would you? What was your goal with that biology major? I didn't have one. I just well, I got, I got there. I, I was undecided, and then um, I was, you know, they make you take a bunch of classes, and I was taking uh, some science class, and <laughs> one of my, I call it a gift and a curse, is that I'm able to go to sleep whenever I decide to go to sleep. So I never have issues sleeping. I lay down. It's time to go to sleep. I go to sleep. Close my eyes. I'm sleeping. The problem with that is that in, in classes, I would always fall asleep. So I'm in this science class, and I'm sleeping through 80% of lect- the lecture, right? But I'm acing these tests. And so, and I was, it was a lecture hall, so I'm way in the back. I'm thinking that she's not seeing me. And so we, we get to coming up to the final, and she, she has to see me in her office. And I'm like, oh, man, she's going to say something about this. Sleeping. And she says... Uh, well, listen, you know, I've seen you sleep through every one of my classes and currently you have like a 97. And so you are you have you decided on a major? And and I said, no, not really. She said, you probably should be a, uh, like a biology major because it seems to, I mean, if you're in a, you're in a 97 and you, you slept through everything <laughs> I said to you, you probably have a knack for this. And she ended up being like my uh, advisor. So oh, really? I just followed her around. What classes are you, are you teaching? Okay, and then I just went to all her classes. So that's the, that's the path you chose, but without knowing what you want to do with it afterwards? I mean, obviously you're using it now. No, and then I kind of stumbled into the career I have now because uh, I found out that you could get college credit for volunteering. And so I volunteered in the in White Plains Hospital in the in the ER, because I just felt like it'd be interesting. And then while it, while in there, I just felt like, oh, you know, this, Most this people is. don't find things like that, you know, ER is interesting. Oh, I mean. You know, I mean, you're obviously made for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I found it very interesting. And then I, after that um, semester was over, I applied to the hospital and they hired me like as a nursing tech or something. Okay. Yeah. So what were you doing uh, outside of sleeping during class, during college? What were you doing for fun? So I was an RA. And yeah, I was an RA, and so <laughs> nerd squad. <laughs> Jeez, you're like the snitch in college. But I wasn't though. I, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure there's uh, some some adult now who yeah. uh, maybe says otherwise <laughs> that I did snitch. But but I, I don't. I, I felt like I was just you know. I, I felt mm. like I was pretty easy going. But um, and funny enough, uh, so I moved. I was most recently living in Harlem. And uh, I go there to get the keys. Um, we're gonna move into this apartment, and I bumped into uh, someone that was one of my one of my students, like my uh, right. I was her RA, yeah. and she like lived two like two blocks down, so I would That's see her funny. all the time. She was at the Friendsgiving. Okay, yeah, she came to the Friendsgiving. Cool. Um, so between the time you graduated college and the time I met you, what were you doing? Because when I met you, you hadn't started your PA schooling, I don't think. No, so. A friend of mine in, that was going to purchase, uh, I found out that he was promoting in the city, and so I was like, you know, I want to, I want to get better access to clubs, and so he and I kind of started promoting together. I was terrible at it, but um, 
Were you? I was, yeah. Mm. Uh, no, at that time I was, because okay. I, I didn't know what I was doing. Right. And so, um, so I would just do these one-off parties once I realized that like being a sub-promoter wasn't for me. Uh, and then so I would just do these one-off parties, and so that's how I, how I met you, because yeah. I found this like cool lounge-looking space. The Loft. Yeah, yeah. I don't even remember the name of it. I but remember, it was the Loft, yeah. Upper West Side. Yeah, Upper yeah. West, I got you out of downtown. You came all the way up. I'd to, go anywhere. You, yeah, you came. You, and, you weren't that special, I'd go and, anywhere. And you, came, <laughs> yeah. no, and you came with a crew, I was so impressed. I was like, oh, he came with a, with a crew all the way uptown, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. you came with a crew, man, so, and that's, I was very impressed. So that's so you were was that all you were doing at the time? Which I, I mean, was I was working. I was working in the hospital because I was still a, okay, a yeah, tech, yeah. and I was, uh, I guess, gearing up to apply to PA school, and and then I was doing one-offs and just, you know yeah having what, fun. What uh where did that doing those one-off parties led you into your first door gig, right? Yes. So, because you because you you. For those who don't know, uh, Mike was a doorman in New York City nightclubs for years, right? Some of the uh, about ten years, yeah, ten years. That's yeah. only ten years, and it's a long time. But yeah, about okay. ten years. Uh, so while in PA school, uh, you can't really. If anyone knows uh, anything about PA school, you can't really work because the classes are every day, all day, and then you got to study when you get home. So, so I was, you know, living the broke student life, and then I. I had already done some nightlife where I threw some one-offs and um, I ended up uh, taking a trip to Europe with um, the, like the girl I was seeing at the time. And I came back and I had spent the money, <laughs> the money I was supposed to have for the rest of the semester. What? <laughs> so I got back and I was like, yo, I'm, I need, I'm like broke and I can't, I can't get away a job. Wow. And so I got to figure out something to make it to the rest of the, through the mes- rest of the semester. And I reached out to our good friend, Eddie, Eddie Lee, yes. Yeah, I reached out to Eddie. I had thrown some some cool parties at his place, yeah. at his place. and I said, "Hey, um, I hit him like on a Tuesday, and I said, hey, it, it, if you know anyone who's looking for a, a doorman, uh, I'm looking to to do some door.'" And he said, uh, "I hate my door girl. When can I, when can you start?" <laughs> And I so I messaged him on a Tuesday, and I was at his door on a I, Friday. No one would find that funny because they don't know Eddie, but I know Eddie, and I can see that being his demeanor. Like, yeah. oh, I hate my door girl. When can you start? Like, yeah. he's just. And so then I started. That, was, that was Opus Twenty Two, and That's uh, right. and I, I worked there, and then that kind of just like, you know how how small nightlife is. You meet someone here, and then you know you work with someone over here, and then they pull you into this club, and then. But you y- know, I can't remember what year it was. You weren't exposed to that sooner. You have a you're, you're, you have a somewhat famous cousin who had, mm-hmm. who had a podcast almost as cool as ours. Right, right. Uh, Joe Budden is your cousin. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know when. When this Eddie gave you a door gig, but you weren't like hanging out with your cousin, going to like big spots and flashy parties before well, that. Yeah, but the parties he was going to um, wasn't describe them. <laughs> no, no, no. He was going to like the, whatever the the big party was, I guess at the time. But he wasn't going to, like, he wasn't going to home and guest house. He wasn't right. going to those kind of places. So, and and he wasn't really like a club head either. So he's some, something of a homebody. And so you know, occasionally I would go out with him, but uh, he he's well documented that he would prefer to go to the strip club. And so he wasn't you know in these clubs really and. 
I was I was more of just in the books. So, you know, I had a little taste of it doing these one-off parties. Right. Tons of funny stories with that. But um, anything you want to share? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you one story, just because I'm thinking about Opus Twenty Two. Was that? I think it's, I know this story. It was an <laughs> actor that wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I won't say his name. <laughs> yeah. Don't say his name. Uh, it's not funny if you don't say his name. So we'll skip the story. All right. Skip the story. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny, and uh, you're to blame apparently. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm to blame. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll tell you off camera. <laughs> so I mean, listen, you you you've had. A lot of chapters in your life, but I feel like it's a, it's a very monotone story so far. You're not, you know, you got, we got to hear more about it. Uh, so, so then, yeah, what, what hardships have you faced between there? Not to say that that's what makes a story interesting, mm-hmm. but obviously that always people can relate to that stuff. So, yeah. I mean, it wasn't always smooth sailing for you, right? I mean, I mean, none of it was really smooth sailing. I was, I was living in a six flight walk up. I was paying like three hundred dollars in rent for a room Where? in Harlem. Really? When I was in PA school, and mm-hmm. I was like living like meal to meal, yeah. you know. So it was, uh, it, I was it, my my classmates used to laugh at me because uh, I would have like a tuna sandwich and like hard boiled eggs, and I'm like, that, that was lunch, you know. So, um, you know, my mom would send me what she could send me, but yeah, she didn't really have money, so uh, it was it definitely wasn't a, a easy road. I just. I just didn't see any other, you know, right. but yeah. I was, it, listen, <clears throat> I have always been someone who, because uh, I have perspective and I've, I've lived in the projects, I've lived everywhere. And so, uh, you know, I take that perspective and just say, well, you know, it could be a lot worse. And, you know, I, I'm th- there's things I'm working towards anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, and so, so you kind of drown out like the, maybe the things you don't have. And you're also... You're also an entrepreneur. You have that mindset, right? I mean, you have this job working for people as a PA, yeah. but you've always had the entrepreneurial mindset. What have what have been some ventures oh that you've, you? I know these these are the interesting <laughs> stories. The ventures, like even for me, like I've taken on ventures that I listen. If you're entrepreneurial, you need that as a creative yeah. outlet. Yeah, I've taken on. Some, I've done. I've tried to. Uh, I've tried my hand in different businesses. Like yeah. I had a DJ management company. I had I had a, a cool one that which was like a, a pop up beer garden uh, in in Brooklyn with like food uh, trucks and stuff like that. That one was actually a fun one. But I've I've done some random ones. I tried during the pandemic. I tried doing masks. Like no, but you you need those. You yeah. need you need that learning process. And so uh, when I caught the entre- entrepreneurial bug. I was I was miserable working at um, NYU, so I was doing uh, um, working in the ER during the day, and then I would work um, at the door at night. And I was maybe doing like three nights a week at the door, and then doing NYU. And what was making you more money? Funny enough, door because Mm -hmm. I had a feeling you say that. You know the spots I was working. I mean, I was working at some some places that there was was some good money coming through, and you know you 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 get a, a. Door is probably the, the uh, best gig in nightlife, depending on who you ask. I'm getting there the latest. What well, promoters are getting there later, but they're staying later. So, but getting there the latest. Um, you know, I got my flat before I even walk in the door. I know what I'm making, and then depending on the deal you negotiate, you can get a percentage of you know stuff you're selling at the door, as far as like bar tabs, tables. Then you get a couple of handshakes for people who you know thank yous, not bribes, because there's a difference. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I, hourly I was making more at the door, mm-hmm. which is why I stayed in it. And you know, there's some perks too, you know. Right, but but it is it is uh, 
it can nip you in the butt if you decide to stay too long. Yeah. Right. So, so I got the entrepreneurial bug. I left door. I quit NYU, and I had the bright idea to start a uh, med spa in Soho. So, so I jumped in feet first, not knowing a thing about uh, how to set up businesses and and all of the things you needed. And I was putting stuff in my name and using my own money and. <laughs> Basically, I uh, uh, got my shirt ripped off, <laughs> and I, you know, I didn't have good partnerships then, and and um, and I learned a lot. I, I call it my real world MBA, mm-hmm. and I came out of it. Uh, Those are best lessons, in my opinion. Oh my god, I came out of it humbled and thirty pounds lighter, <laughs> and <laughs> yep, yeah, it's gonna be a lot bigger, um, and just but but really the humbling part. Uh, was the part that I needed, you know, it was just like, all right, y- you, you're stepping into to an entirely different uh, world here with this uh, starting your own business thing. So if you're going to do it, then you need to, you know, take your time and plan and, and it needs to be right a bunch of planning first and then you take your first course, step. But, you know? but there's a balance for that, right? There is. There you is. can't wait till it's perfect because yeah. you're never yeah. going to launch. So yeah. it's a good thing so, you did. So, I mean, the venture I'm doing now, uh, we've, working on it for about a year and we're finally launching and you know, so was it this this failed venture the first one was that the la- the most recent one before this new venture well there was a one there was one in between that i never really even got um off the ground but it was it was like a, a pre-version of what i'm doing now and so it's kind of just the framework of it and then i kind of uh, dusted dusted that plan back off. Yeah. When I learned some more things about how healthcare works and how concierge medicine works, and <clears throat> I feel like your life has definitely changed drastically in the last four years. Oh yeah, tremendously. Oh my god, yeah, tremendously. From the time that we were, I always like to say, running the streets <laughs> in that life, uh, not necessarily a negative connotation, but you you're, you have to be ear to the streets. You have to know what's going on to like. Now you own property. You have a family. Yeah, married with a beautiful daughter. Yeah, eight month old. Um, yeah, you don't live in the city anymore. You moved out. Like it just happened. Yeah, but yeah. But you're. I mean, that was like. I wouldn't life, say 180, but you definitely changed pretty quickly. Life comes at you fast. And yeah. You know, I, I think that um, having a having a good partner, you know, and I say partner, people throw that word around, but like when you have like a partner, mm-hmm. somebody who's like tackling these these goals with you and like is an equal partner in that uh, you know you, you it snowballs how'd you know she was did you know pretty soon or right away because i know you 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 don't have to talk too much about it but she's here yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh did you know no, earmuff it <laughs> the first the you dated for a quick second and then it stopped and then you reconnected we did but I, but i was in nightlife then so yeah. so is there anyone who has worked like really worked in nightlife. It's it's hard to have like serious mm-hmm. uh, relationships. I think it's, it's hard. I, I agree. It's, and it's hard for a number of reasons. But I look back at it. Other than the obvious reasons of lots of temptation, all that. I look back at it and I realize about myself. I wasn't content with myself mm. because I was in that environment. And not this. That's a realization I I may have just made just now. But like the fact that uh, you know. I didn't want to have a relationship where I had to leave at night and 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 then be in touch with tons of other women to bring them out and, and in, in an environment where it wasn't 
something that was going to be long term. And it right. wasn't bigger picture thinking. It was like right. you work, you create a brand for yourself, but you work and you get your check you know, the next week. And that's it's like every week is the same routine. There's ways to build longevity with it, which I found, but I wasn't happy doing it. So I don't think I think for me, I wasn't happy with myself. Therefore, I couldn't be happy yeah. with somebody else. But also the dynamics of it. I mean, nightlife happens at night, and it's hedonistic, hundred percent. Yeah, but also, you know, if the other person is not working nightlife, then you know they're home, and you're standing at a nightclub. But even and, if they and, are, yeah, that's yeah. two dynamics that. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if I, I mean I, I've said it before. I don't think I would date somebody that's in nightlife. It's not impossible, but it's just yeah. you, got, you got the odds are stacked against you. So so yeah, we we dated. Uh, briefly during that time, I realized that I was not able to be the like when I realized very early on that uh, the kind of person she is, and uh, I realized I'm like, <laughs> while I'm in the situation I'm in now, and the mindset that I'm in now, I can't be the the person that I know she deserves. And so, so we we split, and and then I did some more living. She did some more living, and. I did some more, uh, <laughs> had a few uh, relationships in between and did some more, a lot of learning. And then we uh, just reconnected maybe four years after that, just in two different mental spaces then. Yeah. And, but that was what we needed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you guys like, is what I strive for, what you guys have. <laughs> oh. um, so what do you do for fun? Like, I, I, mean, I know you're very... Listen, you're the type that doesn't sit around and do nothing, right? No. You're very much about progress and make, doing things and always being busy with something. Yeah. But what do you do for actual fun? I'm going to give you the most boring answer ever. Uh, I like woodworking. So I knew he was going to say yeah. that. Uh-oh, you just, wait, yeah. you just, we just started. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. He does right, too. I, I love woodworking myself. I mean, yeah. All right, most of this, all this crap you see here is I, I built it. You nice. Know, it's just yeah. for I do have to say, Chris is nice. <laughs> he built the entire studio um, and then he builds random things like that sledgehammer over there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we had a we had a wedding at our house uh, that you that you yes. were not able to make, but I, I'm sorry. we had no no problem. We had a, a ten farmhouse like the uh, farmhouse tables, so we made those. And you know, I think I think the thing that I make best is, is tables. <laughs> but <laughs> I made I made some other things, but I know, think I, tables are probably the easiest thing to make. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> one of the easiest <laughs> things to make, but um, it's kind of like fool foolproof. But uh, it's something about blocking everything out and just like sanding something goes from rough to smooth and, and everything else is blocked out. You're not looking at your phone and uh, yeah, it's therapeutic for yeah, sure. A lot of people don't understand that. They not really don't. don't. They like don't. It, you get into a zone, you're trying to, you know. You know, yeah. you know what's funny, I was thinking about that recently because my brother also works on his own home and I don't really work on my place but also I feel like I'm always... No, I run my own business, right? Yeah. So I'm always so busy having to do this, this, and that that I don't feel like I have the time, which is which is not the truth. But I feel like I don't have the time to sit down and really do something to to my liking and feel comfortable with it. Again, I don't have the expertise to do something to my home, for example, which I would trust myself doing. Yeah. But I'd like to get to the place one day where I'm like at peace enough to be able to. Yeah, but you got to start somewhere. You got to start. You just have to start. Do one thing. Like so for the first thing I did was I made a coffee table. That mm-hmm. came out. It came out nice, and we we love it. We still have that coffee table, and so, and then I just you you look at you listen YouTube University, right? And it'll teach you 
you know, how to properly uh, attach legs and how to uh, go get the wood planed. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but no, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I asked this question uh, last interview I did, and it's a new one. And I don't know if it's too, I don't know if I really like it. But I'm going to ask what elements of life of your life define you? Like now you're a father, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's obviously defi- changing and defining you as now you're a father. But yeah. what elements of your life do you feel like have defined you as a man? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, I, I guess I'm coming into my uh, the reality that I'm something of, a, I guess, a caregiver. So, uh, you know, I'm in medicine, and, and but, but even aside from that, uh, I find myself uh, doing extra things that maybe I don't have to do because I know it needs to be done health-wise. So I'll see, um, you know, I'll be walking down the street and and I'll see some, <laughs> I'll see someone who has, you know, maybe a nasty infection on their arm, right? And maybe they're IV drug user, and and I know why they have that, right? And I know that where that's going. I'm not getting paid to do it, but I'm the guy who'll be like, hey. Uh, you probably need to get that checked out because, and then I'm like giving this guy who probably doesn't want my advice advice because, but it's just it's just something that's in. How, how's it know? taken? And have you ever had backlash from that? Uh, no, n- no. I think that um, I think that even at if someone's at their lowest point, or even if even if they're in their most antisocial moment, um, no one really wants to go at the doc or go at the mm-hmm. person who's just giving them care, you know? So, well, n- not necessarily, but, um, so no, I, I haven't, but I mean, listen, uh, I, I was the person at, at the door who was like, you know, saying, you know, probably should give him some water because he's going to have alcohol poisoning. Right. Yeah. And then they're yeah. like, well, how do you know? And I, I really didn't share what I did during the day. I kind of try to keep it separate, but, you know. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah now that you say it, you're definitely a caretaker. You always, you always seem to be the one that wants to help out, and you have knowledge to help people, especially with their health. So I share the knowledge freely. That's good. A lot of yeah. people don't always do yeah, that. Yeah, no, I share with, it freely with, with because of fear of of getting. I them. share any knowledge I have freely, just because I would want someone to share it with me freely. Well, my next question for you is: What are your goals and dreams? Like, what do you aspire to do in your they life? They are ever evolving, but I'm in that stage now where. I'm trying to break the cycle of trading um, uh, time for money. So um, setting up things where I don't have to be there for the for the money to be earned. So you, know, you mentioned real estate. So yeah. we, have, we have a couple of rental properties. Uh, I got the um, the concierge service that just launched. Is um, it launched now? Is it official? Yeah, we're taking our first hundred members. Yeah, really. So let's let's talk yeah. about that really quick because uh, that's been a goal of yours. Yeah. What is the website? Where can people sign up? Uh, is that ready to share? Yeah, so it's uh, curated.care. Curated, C-U-R-E, rated. Yeah. Um, and it's really just curating a better healthcare experience, curating a better... And it's funny because uh, you're actually taking what you knew from nightlife yeah. and curating a great and experience. That's, that's really concierge. where it came from is, that, is combining that hospitality that you learn uh, along with, with the medicine. And so uh, curated.care, but right now we're kind of in beta beta mode and so we are taking in our first hundred members and right now it's 24 7 telemedicine and we do house calls so i can send a doc to your house and we can do ivs whatever you need 
Uh, we're all emergency medicine you know, trained. What's amazing to me is uh, I keep on saying this. It's a recurring theme with a lot of people I know because a lot of people I know was I met them through nightlife. Mm-hmm. Nightlife is an amazing school. One a, one of the best amazing school. And the reason I say that is I was having this conversation with Susanna. Yeah. With you, yeah. even myself, because what we take from that, like what we learn, we bring into the next project, the next business. For for me, with Outsiders, it was uh, the it was a few factors. One, the outdoors has always been very vanilla, very the branding and imagery has been terrible. Um, the people, typically people who are drawn to the outdoors, mm-hmm. are socially awkward, which is right. why they're drawn to the outdoors. And I took the hosting element of the magnetic personalities I know of. Think and about to that the in medicine. Think about that's how what I'm dry saying. and yeah. boring medicine is. And the, the branding, the imagery, right. the you know, the the, the brick and mortar, the, the place they're walking into. I have I have a huge problem with with not just hospitals, but like schools. Yeah. It's that why do things have to seem so cold, almost like communistic cold war for a kid's school? Why can't it be warm with warm lights or even medicine? You know, right. it has to feel sterile because it is sterile, but it can still be a little bit more welcoming. Right. But, you know, touching back on that point you made about uh, um, Nightlife being one of the best teachers, if you think about it, it's it's an industry full of hustlers. Mm-hmm. Every it, it, it There is no, it's not forgiving. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's entrepreneurial in nature. It's hustlers. And it's, you know, to be, to be, a good promoter, to be uh, a, a, a bottle waitress, to be, you know, these are all people who, they're, they're hustling. I don't, you know? I look back at. Think at, about the environment. You're, you're, well, I'm, 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 I'm hundreds thinking Hundreds of people coming at you. Door, for example. Yeah. Uh, I've worked some of the busiest parties, right? There's times when there's a hundred people outside trying to get in. And my job in, this, in, in, the, in the moment is to filter this hundred and get the best in the best looking or the pe- most people who are spending the most money, the people who, you know, filter out maybe what they don't want in the club. And you got to do it like this because the next hundred yeah. will be there in 10 minutes, you know. So so it, it really is trial by fire. And and if you're and if you mess up that, then you don't get called for the next door. So and I'm sure same with promoting, <sighs> you know, I can't believe all that you, you're learning deal making. You're learning uh, marketing, you know, how to marketing, learning how to take the same product and make <laughs> and it repackage, <laughs> repackage it five or seven times a week. Yeah, for years. But that's what I realized why I had I promoted very briefly. And uh, funny enough, I, I came in under um, Jed Stiller, mm-hmm. uh, who's doing amazing now. Yeah, um, I was a sub promoter for him and. Um, and Alex Maz yeah. and, and Reach. They had a little, yeah. a little team. And I came in as a sub-promoter. And ENSM events, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I worked maybe one summer, and I, and I, I realized very quickly, like, oh, that's not for me. Yeah, yeah. You know? I can't, so I look back at those days, and those days ended during the pandemic for me. But it ended mentally, yeah. like, it went out years before that. Oh, yeah. But I look at it, like, now that I am out, and it feels great to say, but now that I am out, uh, I look back and like, how the hell was I able to live and keep my sanity doing that for 15 years? I mean, you see it in my hair. I went gray early for a few reasons. I'm genetically prone to that both my parents. But oh yeah, mine, mine left. It was yeah. like, yo, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do this. I can't do this no more. But I look, I look at it and you know, I'm really, I have to look at that to appreciate what I've done with Outsiders yeah. um, because I can see, you know, bigger long-term deals, more, 
broader, like just bigger thinking, right? Yeah, I told you that early on that I, w- I was so happy that, that you made that pivot and how you pivoted. And, and I'm, I'm happy for me. Um, I, I don't I say this more often, but I'm proud of me for having done that uh, and not saying it in any narcissistic way. And I hope it's not taken that way. But uh, I look back at what I, how I made a living for 15 years mm-hmm. and, you know, each night had a fight for. Yeah. I had a fight. I'm just looking back like yeah. that was boot camp for 15 years. It was tough. It yeah. exhausted me. Yeah. Um, and even when even when uh, you don't feel like going out, you know that the people aren't showing up for your list unless you're there. Right. And that, that, that's a yeah. feeling where, you know, it's rejection. Yeah. That's rejection and like facing that. And I think it's a great lesson because everyone should desensitize a bit you, to rejection. You know when I appreciate it the most that I'm, I'm not working that life anymore? It's nights like the other night where it was four degrees out. And I'm like, you know, I, I would have been standing outside at a door trying to yeah. figure out how to keep my feet warm. Yeah. I didn't have to. I, didn't, I wasn't outside. I, I was outside. outside. Yeah. But you, you, know, you know what I used to fantasize about the last few years of nightlife? You know what I would fantasize about staying home on a Friday night with pizza, watching TV. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't done that in like 15 yeah. years. Like, oh, that would be great. And like people are like, that's what you fantasize about? Like, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah. again, we talked about having a a round table with people from that life who have gone beyond that and, and found careers, but learn taking the skills they've learned from yeah. that and, uh, and apply them to the next thing. You know, uh, I was talking to someone recently and uh, so COVID hit, right? And I was working urgent care where I left the ER, I went to urgent care and we had lines down the block, everybody trying to get in at once. <laughs> <laughs> and people kept saying, Mike, how are you not freaking out right now? Like, how are you not panicked and, 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 as, and, and as, uh, as stressed as we are? And, and they wouldn't understand it. And I'm like, this is not new to me. Yeah. Like standing at a place where there's a line down the block and everybody trying to get in at once. I, I did that for 10 years. Yeah. So, you know. It, but no it, one's it, drunk, so it's easier. <laughs> right. No one's drunk. I mean, they were sick and coughing. Right, but, right, right, right. But, but, yeah. So just. It really was, it literally was the same thing. It was like, you know, okay, you guys stand on the side over here. Let me get these two here in. <laughs> she's, she's old. Give me the old lady. Okay, you come this on in. This is funny. And, see, I don't know if people know. will find this funny. I find this hilarious because I can see, I see what you've done in nightlife and I can yeah. see you, you know, manning uh, urgent yeah. care. Doing yeah, that. I literally had, was, there was times when, when, in some of those waves where um, I was literally standing at the door, at the door of the urgent care. I got the medical assistant with me. She got the vitals machine, and I'm, I'm doing the door basically, saying, yeah. "Okay, uh, you're here for COVID. Okay, COVID testing. Okay, you got any medical problems? No. Okay, take a vitals, and, and then next, and then try to grab the next person. Yeah, it was. That's tough. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing you had that that. Uh, but yeah, I credit, I credit nightlife. You know? Yeah, I, I, I got, we gotta get this round table for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. What what motivates you? Wait, did I, t- did I ask you what your goals are? Goals and dreams. Uh, yeah, but we, we detoured yes. before I can answer that. Goals and I think I was talking about separating the trade of time for money, yeah. right? Uh, but also, I, the bigger picture, and, and it's a cliche answer, but really the bigger picture is uh, just freeing up my time to, to spend it with Lennox, you know? And with Lennox, my family, obviously. But, right. You know, I got a, a, a young mind who I got to influence. Mold, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it takes time. Yeah, I... It's funny because I think about what my ideal situation would be 
uh, when it's time to have kids, mm-hmm. like, I would want to be able to have as much free time as yeah. I can to to mold their mind, to give them everything they need. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I can I can see that being your ultimate goal. You're, yeah, it is. It well, is. M- you're actually your main motivation because mm-hmm. I w- the next question is what motivates you to p- keep pursuing your dream. But I can that's see a, that's an easy one. I mean, yeah, uh, e- even before her, uh, I kind of was always self motivated, which whatever, but. Um, self-motivated in that I always wanted to challenge myself like oh, I think I can do that mm-hmm. you know but I've always been a, a, a skinny guy and then some years back I was like I wonder if I can bulk up and just like became a, a gym rat and yeah. then you know I wonder if I can get into nightlife so I get into nightlife and then I'm like oh, I wonder if I could do the door and I do the door you know right. so it's just like kind of like challenges yeah. because uh, I the the nine to five scenario of the same job every day just didn't really appear right. to me so yeah, same. I've fortunately never had to do it. Um, that is a fear of mine of having to do that. So it yeah. motivates me not to mm-hmm. not to slack off. Um, you've been to Outsiders events, but only the bike riding, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we did the Halloween bike ride, yeah, which well, was hilarious because I, I came <laughs> grossly unprepared. I had you, <laughs> no, you did the Rockaway ride too, didn't you? I don't know if I did the Rockaway ride. You've only I, done the bike ride. Yeah, that one. Because my bike is it can't hold up to it. I came there on a on a, a single gear. Oh, so of course, we were, yeah. oh my <laughs> god, my legs were, <laughs> legs were done. We gotta get you on more, man. Like I know now you yeah. you've got you, at least your your baby's not here. You got to take care of. So yeah. come out to some hikes or something. Yeah, we are super 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 fortunate that my mom uh, came up and and she is living childcare and. And who better to watch the baby than, than grandma, right? For sure. So, so that means uh, we'll see you soon on yeah. the adventure. Yeah, for sure. Um, what is the dream that you've yet to achieve? Dream Other than what achieve. you told me about, like, financial stability and passive income. I think the dream I've been working on for the last year is really uh, launching this service and, and really seeing it uh, take on a life of its own, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's no like uh, childhood dream that you envisioned when you were a kid that you could see yourself, that you see yourself doing or would like to see yourself doing? I'm going to sound cheesy as hell right now, but I did it already. Like, I I have been fortunate that everything I put my mind to is, you know, it just kind of like keep working at it. I'm like, oh, shit, it happened, you know? So, okay. Uh, recently, we, we put our mind to picking up some real estate and, you know, we picked up a, f- a few good things and not knowing much about it, but hey, you're not going to learn about it until you jump in. And right. So, yeah. Um, you know, keep knocking them down as I... Okay. Yeah. Well, and then this leads to uh, a few more questions. One of them is my favorite question to ask. What was your most embarrassing moment? Well, you got to pick an error, though. You got to pick a most embarrassing moment. I have plenty. So <laughs> you talk about childhood whatever moments. Come, whatever or? comes to mind, first thing. Okay. I, okay. I, it make, okay. It enter- it make it an entertaining one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No problem. Um, so I was in fourth grade, and uh, I was in class, and people kept asking the teacher to go to the bathroom just to get out of class, and so she had had enough. And so uh, I came in that morning, and... I had the bubble guts. Oof. And so, you know, I thought I was cool. And then, you know, when you're a kid, and even in adulthood, you know, at some point when it sees up, you're like, yeah. oh, I got to go. So I raise my hand and I say, can I go to the bathroom? And she's like, no, you're going to wait till you're going to wait till I'm done. And she tries to like <laughs> make me stay. 
And so I maybe sat there for like another 30 seconds and I was like, I have to go. So I, I jump up and I bolt out of there and uh, run down the hall and I, <laughs> and I see the bathroom door. You know what happens oh, when you see it, right? So yeah. I see the bathroom door and, and as I'm running to the bathroom door, there's a class like coming down the hall, like in a line, you know how kids, they make <sighs> you walk in a line. And so like, as I'm getting to the bathroom door, the, the kids are coming this way and it starts coming. Right? Oh so, no. So it starts coming and I'm running and I'm like leaving a streak and always has this class as to like fourth grade too. Meanwhile, they're walking towards it. Oh right? my God. I make it to the bathroom and it's coming out both ends in the bathroom. And, uh, and then I had to do the, the, and, 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 oh, it's all over my pants. It's like, just, it's bad news. And then I had to come out of the bathroom at that point. The teacher had had made her way out and saw the, saw the chaos in the hallway, and then she she escorted me to the principal's office to to call my mom, and I'm doing like the walk, and it's just oh <laughs> yeah yeah that's that sucks yeah like, so my grandma had to come get me and bring, bring me extra clothes yeah and fourth grade I mean that's not even like a kindergarten that's that's yeah. and you can't live that down because now you got to go back no. to school the next day no. or whenever you feel better yeah wow. That yeah. sucks. Yeah. Um, good story. <laughs> that goes up there. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, all right. Well done. I uh, mean, that might be one of, that's probably, that's going to be like number one or two now. It is. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, I'm glad I made it on. The, I'm glad my horror made it on, yeah. <laughs> onto the list. <laughs> Shitty McGee over here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Damn. Um, all right. Well, is there anything I haven't asked it you? Was, it was between that story or when I sharded on the ferry coming across from Edgewater as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we all have those moments. Yeah. We all have those moments. Uh, some of us decide to share them on podcast. <laughs> is there anything I, I haven't asked you you want to share? Any Anything uh, you'd like to share with us? Uh, no, just that. I'm excited that the service has started. I've been working on this for a year. Um, and the bigger picture is, you know, we're pricing it at a point where it's accessible. So I've worked at, I've worked at a previous uh, concierge place and, and their pricing was, was the exact opposite. It was to make it not accessible on purpose. And unfortunately, we're in a country where uh, healthcare is something of a luxury good to some. And then there's also uh, uh, shortages, and there's you know um, the, cert the current healthcare model doesn't necessarily lend itself to um, different um, schedules. And so, primary care is open nine to five. You mm -hmm. know, what if you can't make it at five? What if you you work nightlife and you're not up till four? Yeah. You know, things like that. So, so there's certain models that doesn't really fit. And so who's servicing those, those people, you know? And so, I, so it, the inspiration for it was working in an industry where, you know, these pe where all of our, uh, our fellow coworkers and people in the industry were making great money. And I would say if you polled them, 90% of them did not have healthcare, right? Yeah. Because they're not, they're not a, it's not a W2 job, mm -hmm. right? So seeing that and then having people who found out that I, I was in medicine and could prescribe stuff and treat stuff, and seeing that how often people reached out to me kind of was just like, all right, th there is a need here for it, you know? Right. 
is a partnership opportunity between Outsiders members and what you're doing. Yeah, of course. I, you know this. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk we, about we, that. We'll talk about it. For sure. um, so we're at the last part of this interview, and that's uh, five rapid fire questions. Okay. Cool. So uh, I'm terrible at this, though, because um, I always think too much. On yeah, I can tell. Yeah. Okay. You're very thought through and well thought out, but <laughs> you just got to fire them away, all right? Hold on. Disclaimer. <clears throat> This, you probably should earmuff this because no, there's no, <laughs> there's nothing here that is gonna like uh, right. put, get All you right. in trouble with EJ. <laughs> okay, cool. I cool. don't think at least. Right. Uh, imagine that. I can't ask you especially because <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's not gonna kill you; she'll kill me. <laughs> um, what's your favorite city other than New York City? Arezzo, Italy. Really? Why? Yeah. I just had an enchanting time there uh, a couple of summers ago, and 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 just really was blown away was that with ej yeah yeah okay. we were there together I, uh, I proposed there i was gonna ask you was that that's where you proposed yeah top wait of is that like northern italy southern italy it's in tuscany okay yeah. right. northern uh, italy sorry North. uh if you could do any other profession a dream job what would you do uh i'd probably be a dog walker or like a dog trainer or or be like a carpenter like wow. make, making furniture or something yeah. okay um, a lot of people have like pro athlete, this and that. You're very humble. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, because because the way I take that question is, if money didn't matter, right? You know, so if, if money wasn't a factor, then as people take yeah. that as whatever, like whatever they choose as not a factor is how they answer, right? So if their skills in whatever sport they choose wasn't a factor and they were good enough, no. they'd do that. If their if money, you know, people if it was based on their passion. Who knows? Like, yeah. you're in a variety of stuff. Um, what's your vice? My vice? Uh, vice. I don't have any other questions. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't really have vice that I no. can think of. No. Red, red meat. I don't know. Hot dogs. <laughs> hot dogs? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't eat hot dogs. <laughs> okay. Um, you don't have a vice? Nothing at all? Like sweets even? Candy. Oh, I got a sweet tooth like crazy. Oh my God. So so that's, that's why, yeah, I try to avoid candy. you're not candy. a big drinker. No, I'm not uh, a big drinker. You're not a drug user. Uh, I used to be a pothead. I used to, yeah. 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 But yeah. I had a stoner phase. You did, but you like, it wasn't, you obviously kicked it. You're not doing that. So yeah. what's something that you've always had as a vice? Would be sweets? Oh my God, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Your, what kind of sweets do you like? Candies or baked goods or candy. what? Candy. Oh, so candy, like, really? Yeah, so like, you know, you ever seen the pack of Mambas where it's the, the long one that has three different kinds in there? Mambas? Yeah, Mambas. Is those dots? What's a Mamba? Mamba, you know they look are? almost like a, they're like little rectangle candies. Oh, no. They're soft, chewy. Yeah, so but it, the pack is like this long, and if I eat one, I'm eating the whole pack. I can't. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I just avoid candy because I'm going to eat that, the whole that pack. That is a vice for sure. I mean, yeah, I literally eat the whole pack. I have a big sweet tooth, but it's more like chocolate chip cookies and so on, which I haven't had since August. I can control myself with those, but I the can. candies where it's little ones and next thing you know, the pack's gone. Oh, my God. Uh, what's your greatest fear? Uh, swimming in water that I can't see in. So like, so like, like, dark, like if you go out to the ocean yeah. and you can't see around that's you. That's your greatest fear? I mean, that's a fear I have, too. But that's yeah, because I'm not really fear. fear. Yeah, but I'm not like scared of heights or bugs right. or anything like that. Or you know, um, I usually can get around that stuff. But if we're like 
on a boat in the ocean and I can't see around me, or even in a, a swimming pool and it's black and I can't see what's around me. Really? I'm like, eh, I'm cool. What about, what about if you can see in the water? Are you still uneasy? No, I'm good. Really? Because the problem, the problem I, I, I have is uh, if you're swimming in water where it's, it's completely black and you can't see around you and something brushes up against your leg, whatever that is swims better than you and you don't know what that was. But I'm saying there's certain places where I, Honestly, I don't feel at ease if I'm swinging in water that I'm super clear. It's, it's super clear because there's some fish that blend into the the currents. There are, but I still feel a little better in that. Oh, for sure, right. I do too. But black water, <laughs> water which like I don't see anything I have a around phobia me. Phobia of like the East River and the Hudson River. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, but then be. you do kayaking for one of your things. You did. No, you I did do, kayak. but I don't, I'm not in the water. I'm in the kayak. It doesn't Until tip that it over. Flips over. It doesn't tip over. It does, you have to like try to tip it over. Uh, but if I'm, I'm not assuming that. Hell no. Um, what's your favorite food? And uh, what'd you bring? So that was a hard one for me because I eat a lot of different foods and I like a lot of. Want to bring it over? So what I did was, um, I, 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 we were in the area. She was in the area of this restaurant that I used to. When I was living downtown, I used to order from them all the time. Well, downtown Jersey City? Or no, da, da, no, downtown Manhattan. So um, I don't want to promote them, so I won't say the name. But uh, How so, come you don't want to promote uh, them? You're not a huge fan of theirs? Uh, no. No, just, well, I'll tell you later. Okay. So, <laughs> but um, a, a good buddy of mine put me onto this dish, and it looks like throw up. But <laughs> it looks like no, no, it does. Show the camera. Yeah, that you're, it, you're, it looks like it kind of does look yeah. gross. Yeah, and it's called a chicken coop. Okay, what's um, in it? Chicken and some tahini sauce, some other stuff, rice. I can have that actually. But it's one but thing. it's it, but it's delicious. Yeah. All right, so we'll, we'll try some of this. I and used I'll, to I used to get it all the time. So I was like, oh, Jeremy might like this. Mm-hmm. So Why? Because I'm Middle Eastern. No. Racist. No, you, you're, you're a healthy guy. <laughs> no, I do like that stuff. It's great. Wait, you're calling him racist, it, it, but when you called him Miguel Buttons, yeah. and you found <laughs> that he was Puerto Rican. And he also, off, he also made a comment earlier that... Stop. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I won't repeat it. <laughs> Don't. Yeah, you might want to edit that I comment will, I out. thought about it after I said it. Like, damn it. Yeah, you might Can you pass me a fork, please? Since I'm Puerto Rican. <laughs> exactly. How come I never knew you were Puerto Rican? Uh, I'm gonna try it as is first. So, yeah. so uh, why is this, this your favorite? It's just a delicious meal that does not maybe look delicious until you start eating it. You're like, oh, okay. that's really good. Yeah, it's very good. Mm. Um, but I used to eat it all the time. I, I, I ate it so much that uh, it took me years to like not eat it before I could eat it again. Mm. So, I've done that before too. Since I haven't lived downtown in a while, then I can eat it. This is like. Um, it reminds me a little like the halal guys, but more refined. Yeah, it's a health food spot, yeah. actually. From a health food mm. spot. That's great. Um, I, I don't know. I don't have any more questions for you. Anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Um, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Um, you know, I always um, am happy when I can link with you because since I moved out of West Village, I don't see you as often, so... Uh, well, I appreciate that. And I also like linking with you, people like you, Hans, Eddie. I think partly because it's hard to find a group of guys you can connect with that have the same entrepreneurial creative outlets. Oh, um, I was going to say that. Yeah, entrepreneurial creative outlets, uh, intellect, uh, and 
cores and values. I think those are elements that you don't necessarily and, and feel like you could talk about stuff that's not that may not be suitable for societal idea of what men can talk about. Right. And I feel right. comfortable talking to you guys about that stuff. But so. I also like I like uh, also linking with you because and entrepreneurs will relate, but like whatever your industry that you're working on is, even if it's different than what I'm working on, we're we're tackling some of the same issues. Like, oh, for sure. All right, how am I doing my accounting? How am I doing my website? Who who's pumping out this newsletter? Who is you know yeah. all those things that you know the behind the scenes things. Yeah. And and it, you you definitely inspire me, um, and keep me motivated. So like, all right, I got I got to my stuff has to be tight because you know, and I look at I look yeah. at all my friends who who are in that in that uh, circle that I consider that I value like I said the the guys we just mentioned and Brent because you know they might be doing something that I haven't thought of or something at the level that I want to get to mm-hmm. and it's great having that idea sharing where you're freely sharing information without fearing that if you share this information, they're going to get ahead of you, which means less opportunity for you, which right. is such a myth. It's something we all, a lot of people mistake giving opportunities to others as removing themselves from potential more opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And that's why I say I share the, I share the information freely. Same like yeah. with Hans. I met up with him about, you know, his business and showed him like certain things he can add to his website to add more traction and so Another on. the reason why I, I love our, our, our guy, Eddie. Yeah. Oh man, Eddie, you know, you say, you tell him what, what, what stage you are working on. Yeah. And then he's so, <laughs> he's so Eddie, <laughs> he'll leave the hangout and send you a detailed email, yes. like oh with, with hyperlinks in there. And just like, it's amazing. Here, here's what we talked about. And here's the, the five things I told you I was going to send you. And here's a few extra I things. I think it's <laughs> great. The only thing I would tell Eddie about that would be to make it a little more concise. No, I know. I love I'll I'll filter it. I'll filter yeah. it on my own. Send what you send, Eddie. And yeah, I'm the other way around. Like Eddie, yeah. give me the give me the Cliff's notes. Like I want to know. Anyway, mm-hmm. eventually we'll have him on the show. Thank you for being here. I appreciate yeah, it, uh, guys. Stay tuned. What is the service again? Name and where can they find it? Curated care. Curated. Um, spell it again. C U R E, R A T E D dot care. One word. Curating a better healthcare experience. There you go. Uh, look it up and support. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Ooh. 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 Good.